0: hello welcome to this ask me anything episode of impact the world thank you for tuning in and thank you to all of you for all of the support that you show the show and also our guests Uh, it means a lot to us uh, especially as we love the people that we get to feature so it's always so nice when i get emails from them telling me how many of you have gone and engaged with what they're doing and they're always so grateful so for those of you who are actively supporting us in that way thank you so much and also some of you have asked how you can submit a question for these episodes. Well, there are two ways we receive questions for these episodes. Number one, if you leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts and you put your question in the review, that's a really easy way for us to go and find questions. And then also we take some questions from my portal members community. The portal is the monthly community where I and members of my team offer different support tools every single month, including a 90-minute live broadcast uh, that I do every single month and various other things. So, that's how we receive the questions for today, and we try to pull a cross-section. So, for example, if there are eight different questions that relate to the theme of depression, we will try and find the one that is the most universal. So... Thank you to all of you who, who submitted, and even if we don't get to your question, uh, you know, please know that you went into the energy of this show. So let's get on with having a look at some of the questions that came in. Could you and the Z's speak about more of the rising energy and emergence that a lot of us are experiencing from a positive and lighter place? I never felt happier to be alive, yet sometimes this creates a conflict in me. Can you talk about what it means to choose our own sovereignty at this time as a sensitive and how we can anchor more of what we feel called to do now at these times? So for those of you who don't know, the Zs uh, are the names of my guides who I've been channeling for 23 years personally and 17 years publicly. And this is a really interesting question because I was on stage in London in 2017. I was doing an event for alternatives. And it was an evening event. And at the end of the event, I channeled for about 20 minutes. And in that channel, the the guides very specifically said that we were about to go through, uh, they kind of said a, a rough period of time in, in the world at large. They said, between now and 2024, you're going to see a great deal of tumultuous energy and conflicts. And, you know, I mean, it doesn't sound good. You know, I don't think any of us in the room were like, woohoo, that sounds good. But what they did say about it was that many who identify as lightworkers, way showers, uh, you're someone who feels conscious to all aspects of life and the spiritual of life, you might be having some of the best years of your life. And the reason they said this, they said your biggest challenge will be seeing people go through heartbreak or suffering, and wanting to help or alleviate or take that away. But they said, for many of you, you will live with purpose in an all-new way, and many of you will find your purpose in an all-new way. I think sometimes we get hung up on the idea that purpose has to mean some external doing or some job or some accolade. That's very much the way that I think we were all trained culturally. But really, purpose changes as you go through your life. You know, your purpose in your life right now might be to be as present and as peaceful to the moment as you can. Or your purpose right now might be raising your child, and that's where you're pouring all your love, your energy, your attention. So it's interesting because I know that there is a a rise in what you might call the negative, the challenging, the distressing, the heartbreaking, the fear, the anxiety. Those things are definitely higher than we have felt as a world universally. But equally, there is an incredible amount of light and consciousness and intuition. So a lot of you, and you, you who've asked this question are obviously in this camp, it can be a strange thing to be going through a personal elevation or a personal level of fulfillment that's new for you at the same time as the rest of the world or perhaps a lot of the people you know going through all kinds of challenges in themselves. And one of the things my guides have said is that we're in the middle of a worldwide awakening. Now, awakening is often seen differently by different people. Some people have an overnight awakening, meaning one day you know, you're, you're seeing the world as black and white, and then the next day your whole perspective of reality changes. You have what some call an enlightenment experience, and all of a sudden your senses are alive to everything that you you weren't seeing, feeling, or perceiving before. But for most of us, the awakening doesn't happen in such a massive overnight way. It can be something that creeps in. Slowly, we start to wake up to a different way of doing things or a, a different way of being that perhaps none of our friends or our family are, but we suddenly find this part of ourselves. So it sounds to me like you're beautifully landing in that right now, and as you said, really making your sensitivity your sovereignty. So perhaps supporting yourself in a different way, caring for yourself in a different way. And there can sometimes be guilt about that, especially if you're not choosing to be embroiled in some of the stuff that people around you are going through. But I think it always has to be a balance. No caregiver can give care 24-7 and not look after themselves in some way and not fall apart within a week or two. It's just not possible. No parent can parent 24 seven for weeks without having some kind of burnout or crisis if they aren't having moments of break or moments of restoration. So I think it's great that you're doing this. I'm imagining partly because you're doing this, that's why you're managing to weather these tumultuous times but you ask what my guides have said about these times. They've said they're, they're challenging times, but they're also breakthrough times. And so we're all gonna be at different places with it. Some people right now might be having a breakdown in their life so that in a year or so, they can come out of that breakdown period, as many of us have, and have a breakthrough into a different part of their life or a different way of being. I think we also have to be careful, at least from my guide's perspective, to not make judgments or assumptions about suffering that other people are going through uh, and try and take that away from them or not see that as part of their path. Trust me, if I think back to the times in my life when I was in a crisis, sure, I'd have done anything to <laughs> kind of wave my magic wand and get out of it. But now I look at it and I see how it changed me and it, it built me in a different way, or perhaps it taught me to go and find support in a deeper way so that I could be more connected to myself, my life. So we never quite know what the outcome of any phase we're going through is going to be. But this phase we're in right now has for sure a lot of challenge, but it does also have a lot of light, a lot of peace. And a lot of people are tapping into that and feeling at odds with what the mainstream narrative is out there. And to you, I would say, try not to worry too much about noticing that you're in a different place. If you're Truly authentically there, and you're able to perhaps bring that to the world or to people in a way that's going to help them. That's great because the worst thing for this planet would be for all of us to be underneath the ground. You know, you always need someone to be the strong one, the hopeful one, the one who can bring you some light, especially if you're struggling. So never feel bad about noticing that you're actually in a better place than perhaps some of the people around you, unless. You know, you're discarding their feelings or, you know, willingly not helping them or trying to keep them there. So it is a very strange time at the moment where many are feeling more elevated than ever before. Others are feeling more compressed. But we're all aiming for the same destination ultimately. And this is a passage of time that we're going through that is going to emerge into that in the years to come. hope that helps and thank you for the question. I followed incredible universal signs to go to a local workshop, five-day retreat, and yet I left after the second day. I felt the facilitator was in her ego and I didn't feel safe. I'm still dealing with the inner conflict of leaving prematurely and leaving the money behind. Was Spirit's message to trust myself and go, or should I have stayed if I was guided to be there in the first place? Make sense? Well, here's the good news. You made a choice, and now for you it's going to be well, how am I going to feel about that choice? I, you, you know, you're saying that you followed these signs to go to the workshop. Did the signs also give you an outcome? Because maybe you were supposed to go to that workshop and have the very experience you had and be willing to walk away from the commitment, from the money, or Maybe you bailed before you were going to get into something. Now, the thing that is a red flag for me is when you say, I felt the facilitator was in her ego and I didn't feel safe. That's an interesting place to be because if you don't feel safe with the person who's guiding the therapeutic experience, that's going to be very hard to have a breakthrough with that person. You'd be better off with somebody who you know, is, is going to make you feel safe while you're going through perhaps a trauma of not feeling safe with other people. I personally, in my reading of this, is trust yourself. It's okay. You left a workshop. Perhaps you left some money on the table and that bothers you. Perhaps in the future you'll check, what's the policy if I go to this financially? I think the point for you is you you can't make a mistake here, but you can learn from what happened. And I think sometimes when we get signs to do something, we often assume it's because we're going to have a euphoric or a positive experience. But Spirit will guide us into the lessons as much as it will guide us into the gifts, because often the lessons reveal the gift. So, did you feel empowered leaving the workshop? Did it feel like a a choice that felt right and felt good to you? And what are you regretting? Like, what do you think you missed? Because any therapy that was going to happen there, you can find again, whether you do that one-on-one, whether you go to another workshop, you didn't lose a therapeutic opportunity. Maybe you weren't ready for it or maybe you were right. And this, this room and this environment that was being created just wasn't the way that you want to heal. I think sometimes you know, we make the error of thinking because someone is a facilitator or a therapist or a healer that they're going to be very clear in the way that they do it. Um, or that we have to surrender our authority or our power to them because they are in the teacher role. But it's a relationship. And if you aren't feeling good about that relationship, then it's important for you to make choices and perhaps leave early. So sit with it a little bit more and see what's really underneath this because you're doubting yourself. And I don't think you need to doubt yourself about anything. The money can come back to you in another way. You can always do another workshop. But this is more an interesting moment for you to look at the part of you that made a decision that you're now second guessing. So I hope some of what I've said helps, but you can't do anything wrong in this situation. It's, it's not going to be a big deal in the long term. But ask yourself, why is this a big deal to me right now? A little more journaling on it will help reveal it to you. And remember that if you don't feel safe with a therapist or a counselor or a healer, you don't feel safe. It takes two for any kind of healing transformation. So if you're with someone that is making you close down or pull back, and that's not just your reaction to what they're offering, that's your reaction to who they are, they aren't gonna be the right conduit for you. You need to find the one who you do feel safe with. So I hope that helps in some way. I love the Impact the World show, thank you what made you start this podcast and what has surprised you about the conversations you're having with all these different people? Has there been a learning curve? Oh, there's always a learning curve. (laughs) There's always a learning curve in anything you do. And this question took me right back to the very first interview I did. And it was with Regina Meredith. And if you're not familiar with Regina, she's a fantastic interviewer. She has a, a show on Gaia TV. She has her own channel And uh, it was really interesting because I was very honored that Regina agreed to be my first guest. And it was also terrifying to me because she was, you know, to me, she's an authority interviewer. And um, I think the learning curve for me early on was I didn't need to get it right. Uh, I think in those first few interviews, I was probably nervous, you know, am I gonna ask the right questions? Am Am I gonna remember things? Have I done enough research? And eventually I found my groove which is, my groove is not necessarily to research people for three days and then find out what the heart of their work is. I want to find out what the heart of them is as a person. My intention for the show and why I started it was, I know more of us are stepping out in the world, and doesn't mean everyone's going to have a, a, a book or a, a, you know, a, a be on a podcast. But it's interesting when you speak to people who have had to perhaps put themselves out into the world publicly, I often think the same lessons apply to our nerves about putting ourselves out publicly at the dining table with our family. Or... So there was something about the fact that all of these people felt compelled to bring something to life in the world that I thought would be really useful for any of you who are either choosing to do the same kind of thing or just looking to express yourself. And what I wanted to talk to them about was their challenges, their difficulties, their hesitations, not just the work itself. So I would say that the conversations that, um, I, I, that have surprised me the most have been a beautiful moment when someone just reveals something that I didn't know about them or you know, had no idea about them. And I don't know every guest well uh, some get invited on because I see their work or through a friend of a friend. Some of them I have somewhat of a personal relationship with. But um, it's been amazing to me. Like I remember one of the first guests that had that effect on me was Miten. So the musician Miten, who many of you would know, uh, Deva Pramal and he, Deva Primal and, and he his, his partner. I interviewed Miten and he just started talking about uh, going through heart surgery and what it had done to his heart, and there was an energy in that conversation that had a really big effect on me and that will happen a lot you know i 'll be surprised and equally, um, I have retaped two podcasts because I felt like we didn 't serve the guest or highlight the guest in in the way that I wanted us to, or there were technical difficulties. There were a couple of different reasons in those two cases, um, and that was good too to learn that you know you There's an an intention that we have here and it's to both highlight this guest, bring the right kind of energy to you guys. And so I would say the learning curve for me has been understanding that the conversation is the most valuable thing to me. And some of the guests that perhaps surprised me, I won't even say in the negative sense, but some of the conversations that perhaps didn't go where I thought they were going to go was they were a little more uh, uh, formal or a little more talking only as teachers and not as human beings. So that was educational to me too, because it made me start to go, okay, I, I want to avoid that. I want to try and how do I cultivate the conversation in a different way? So yeah, the learning curve is ongoing and I'm sure it will be next year too. We've just, we've just gone past our 100th episode, which is amazing. Um, the other thing I'll say is just start. If you have an idea to do something, I started Impact the World way before I understood how to put it into the world. We started taping episodes eight months before we had the infrastructure or figuring out how we were going to put these out weekly. So I knew that I wanted to start something, but I learned and worked with my team to figure out all the details later. So yeah, thank you for that question. I struggle with finding myself too responsible for other people's feelings. I can't even change dentists because I fear they will somehow feel hurt. I'm aware this sounds quite narcissistic, especially since I'm aware I can only trigger feelings, not put them there, and can only reflect wounds or needs in others. Still, I find expressing my needs often almost impossible. Could you share some insights? Okay. Well, I think the first thing for you to look at, and I'm sure many people can relate to this, or perhaps having been in this place in their life at some point, when did this start for you? So, you know, often when you've got this kind of stuff going on, it started many, many years earlier. And first of all, you look at childhood. Were you allowed to express what you wanted to express without feeling some kickback from your guardians or your loved ones or whoever, your parents, whoever was looking after you? Um, did you grow up in an unstable environment? where you had to be very careful all the time to not trigger a parent or a guardian figure. You know, this is often what, what you can be left with. So, you know, the dentist being offended, I mean, the dentist is providing a service for you. I know you know this logically, but let's just walk through it. They're providing a service and they're used to people coming and going. You're afraid to leave them because you're worried it might hurt their feelings. And yet I'm guessing the very fact that you're bringing this up means you have wondered about leaving them. So what you're doing is you're compressing yourself and you're perhaps with a dentist you don't really feel great about, but because you're worried about upsetting them, you're just keeping your mouth shut and taking it. So the pain is going to go somewhere. The pain may temporarily come up for them when they hear that you're leaving, or probably more likely, you'll just be another person leaving their office and someone else will walk in. But at the moment, what you're doing is taking on the pain. You're becoming the pain point, you're becoming the suffering because you've made a decision in your head that you don't want to inflict that pain on anyone else. So the sensitivity in you knows how awful it is to have pain inflicted upon you. So I would go back and I I would do this work with a professional if you can. I would find someone who can help you go through, when did this pattern develop in me? Because it's really strong if it's still showing up in these kinds of ways now. Go back through the incidences that happened, try and understand them from a different way of being. And if you really want to allow yourself out and back into your life, you're going to have to look at when you became compressed, when you agreed to compress yourself to make other people happier. And when and why that became a pattern that makes you feel more safe than fully being yourself and doing what you want to do. Sounds like you're really on the cusp of something here because the fact you've asked this question tells me and you that you want to change it, you want to break through it. But getting to understanding the roots of it is often the liberation. It doesn't have to take three years. You know, it might be something that if you focus on it, and either work with a professional on it, or you do some investigation in yourself, and you go back through all the relationships in your life. And if I were to say to you, who were you most afraid to tell the truth to when you were a child, or speak your truth to, or express your needs to, you will immediately get one or two people come up into your subconscious. You'll see their faces, you'll know their names. So it would be good to look at those early relationships or those past relationships where you learnt that not only is it not safe to be you, it's safer for you to compress you and prioritize everyone else. I promise you that way of being is only going to get worse, and it's only going to become more uncomfortable for you in your life. So this, the fact you're asking this question is brilliant, and this would be a great time to ask yourself more questions about when did this habit start. And it's important for us to remember that one of our jobs here is to be our authentic selves as much as we can. We live in a society that hasn't necessarily encouraged us to do or be that, so I'm not saying it's always easy, but it's far more important that you're honest with people about who you are rather than your um, behaving in a way you think they want you to, because the truth is you don't really know. You don't really know. And it's surprising when we start deciding what other people want or think we run ourselves into a whole lot of trouble. So I hope you can find your way to undoing this, but I would start investigating when it started, how it came up, how you've perpetuated it. I would really give this some space because this will be an abundance key for your whole life. And I don't necessarily mean material abundance, although that can be part of it. This is all about your happiness. And so if you can reclaim some of this, you're gonna see a huge shift in your life. So good luck with that. In your October energy update, you talked about changing relationships right now and a theme of boundaries. I'm really seeing this in my own life, but making boundaries against people seems foreign to me and not nice. I'm struggling with it, but I also know I need to change things. Help. Interesting, because these two questions have a similarity. Boundaries is a funny thing, and I remember you know, I've, for the, I guess, 15 years of doing workshops with people and you know working with people one-on-one for so many years like I did, isn't it funny that boundaries is something that I think nowadays we're talking about more freely? But if I go back 15, 10 years ago, especially in the spiritual community, one of the biggest objections that people had to the idea of boundaries was, well, I don't want to be closed. I I want to be open to everyone. I want to love everyone. And you know, you can do that if you've done the work. You know, if you've really done some work on your awareness of yourself, your awareness of your relationship dynamics with others, then you can get to a place where you're incredibly peaceful and open and able to interact with everybody. But truth is, some of the most peaceful and open people I've ever met, they have brilliant boundaries like, you know, they're, they're very loving, and very peaceful, but you'll say, oh, I'd, I'd really love you to come, come over to my house at the weekend. And they'll go, no, I can't this weekend, but thank you. And they're very clear. They're polite, but they're like, no. And if you ask them again, you go, no, no, I, I definitely can't, but thank you. And they've reached that place, some of them through a lot of work. I remember for myself, and I think this is probably true for many of us, you know, boundaries were a very edgy thing for me maybe 10, 15 years ago. They were, you know, Boundaries were almost like a, a um, kind of like, well, this is my boundary, you know, and I had that. I had that tricky dynamic with a few people in my life because I hadn't known how to, I would say boundary myself. I think we often think of boundaries as an against other people, but actually it, it really is more about being honest about who you are and, and what you want and what you can do and what you can be And then you leave the other person choice as to whether or not they can vibe with you in that dance. But it's also about maintaining yourself rather than being railroaded against your will or manipulated into things because you feel guilty or you have to be a people pleaser or you have to be nice. There's nothing worse than thinking you have to be nice because life will send you a whole load of situations and people where you will learn that being nice isn't actually either required or appropriate in those situations, and your, will, your desire to stay being nice could get you and even them into a certain amount of trouble. So try not to think of boundaries as being a negative. You know, kids love the teacher that gives boundaries. They might not always agree with them, they might not always, but if the, if the teacher is, is loving, and really genuinely cares about the kids, but also has really good boundaries, the kids are gonna do better with that teacher or with that parent than with the one that, that lets everyone just get away with whatever they want in the classroom and it's chaos, and then the kids don't feel safe. So there's something to understanding that boundaries is not something you inflict upon other people. It's something that you hold around yourself And the only people who tend to have a really bad reaction when you lay a boundary is somebody who's got used to either uh, using you or or eroding your boundaries. Whenever you do lay a boundary with people in your life, it's always fascinating to see who reacts and how. Because the people who weren't trying to get something out of you against your will or against your better interests they'll be like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, sure. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you again next week. Maybe we can do it next week. And the ones who have a tantrum or get emotional or try and blame you or try and talk you out of it, they were invested in the part of your relationship dynamic that you are now recognizing is not good for you. You're like, oh, no, it doesn't feel good to just tell my friend Cynthia yes every time she asks me to spend hours helping her with stuff because I'm realizing I've got no time left and I feel like it's a little out of balance. And uh, yeah, so when you say no to Cynthia, she might have a bit of a tantrum because she's been enjoying the one-way exchange. But this will also be a good opportunity for Cynthia to either learn this with you and have a transformation, or there might be a separation and Cynthia will go and potentially learn it with someone else, or she'll find another person who wants to play that role with her. And this is where changing relationships isn't something that we should be afraid of. We tend to be afraid of it. The Z's were saying in a channel that I did this past month, Boundaries and Connections. So they were saying a couple of different things that I've just repeated about boundaries, but they also said, you're supposed to have some changing relationships through your life. There are certain people who'll be with you for a period of time, and then you'll go different directions. And if you don't go in different directions, you can't be open to the next people who are coming in. But that we as humans often get very fixated on the loss. Oh no, I've lost this friend. And it's good to grieve a relationship that's changing if you're feeling grief, it's healthy. But to not tell yourself that, oh, I'll never have a friend like that again. Well, actually, you'll probably have a new friend who may have even more enjoyable things for you because you've changed. It's not just about that friend, it's about you too. So, as we change and grow as people, so too should we expect some of our relationships to. Hope that helps and thank you for the question. Lee, what brings you balance and happiness when you need to reset yourself? Um, well, it depends on why I need to reset myself. If I'm a little burned out, um, you know, if I've been, you know, if you're working a lot or if you've, if I've had to use my brain a lot for some of the strategy stuff that we, we have to do here every week. It will depend what it is, but I'll most certainly unplug, often unplug from the computers, unplug from communication for a while. Um, but I really, you know, I'm a, I'm a water baby. So I, five years ago, a gift I gave myself was a hot tub for our garden and I will often be out there. um, Or even a shower will do it for me. If I really need to reset, water does it for me every time. Um, Simple things. uh, Trees. I have to remember to go to trees. And we live in a part of California where there are lots of trees outside, which is great. And so if I can just go to the trees, I notice if I get myself into nature, or even focus on nature out of a window, my energy starts to change. If I've become too electrical from you know, a lot of the technology that we're now in. Um, our cats, I love our cats. So they, you know, they know how to live the simple life. Um, so I'll just hang out with them. Um, and also I really like, it's funny, a lot of people, because of what I do for, for work, uh, sometimes people will give me books on channeling or self growth. That's the last thing I want when I'm not working. Um, you know, I, I work in, have worked in this for 17 years and it's my job. So I'm, I'm in it like pretty much virtually, it can be almost every day of the week. So I like to go to entertainment. I love music. Um, I will listen to podcasts about the making of music. I will listen to podcasts about the making of movies. Um, I like those kinds of things, hearing how other people have made things, but in a very different area, To um, the area that I'm working in every week. So, different things at different times. Okay. What advice might you give to someone who lives outside their tribe in a place where people and values feel very alien and even abrasive to them? I don't have the option of moving right now. How do you deal with the loneliness and despair of living as a stranger in a strange land? Hmm. I've moved a lot in my life. And, you know, it took me many, many moves to realize that when I make a more dramatic move, like move to a different state or a different part of the country I was in, or especially when I moved from England to America nine years ago, it's intense moving. You know, even if you want to move, it's a very discombobulating experience. And so, usually, I always allow myself a year in a new area to. Know that it might take me a year to sink in with that place, even if, and actually this is especially true to to bear in mind, even if you love that place as a visitor. You know, I've had that experience a few times. I've loved a place as a visitor, um, and then I found it hard to vibe with the place. So I think giving yourself time, because you're not only letting go of where you were, but you are in a completely different energy. You know, different places have different energy signatures, different communities it might seem like your life is similar to how it was inside your house, but outside your house, you're in a completely different world. So I think if you feel that strongly about where you live, it might be good to have, just to give you some kind of relief, it might be good to have a kind of, well, when could I leave? If I, if I feel I should leave this place, is it in a year from now? Is it in 18 months from now? just to kind of let that be there in your orbit, because that will also take some of the intensity of what you're experiencing now. Part of what you can be experiencing right now is, oh God, I'm trapped. What have I done? Why am I here? You know, That tends to compress us and make things worse. So who knows? You might hold that in your awareness and think, maybe in a year or two, I'm going to leave here. That would create a little bit of release valve for you. And then, weirdly, sometimes it can all turn around and you're like oh actually a year later i'm i'm kind of enjoying it now i'm kind of fitting in but equally for you if you really feel like there's no one in your immediate area how can you bring that into your life in other ways whether it's through technology you know the phone or connecting with people or contacting people who are away because we need our tribe and some of the loneliest places i lived were at times when i was either there temporarily and i didn't know anyone or I was new to the community, so you feel very much like an outsider. I leaned into the people that I knew that I could uh, around the world that I was already close to so that it helped stabilize me in that period. But the other thing I would just throw out there for you, if you moved there, someone else is living there who's a bit like you, or at least has some of the things like you. Unless you've moved into completely a foreign environment, in which case, definitely decide when you can leave. Because if it's that jarring to you, it's not going to do you any good long term. But be open to finding the people in your area who you are supposed to meet. Not many of us move to a place where we're supposed to just be in isolation and not engage at all with the community around around us. So write an intention on a piece of paper. I will find and meet some of the like-minded, like-hearted people in my area. And just stick it on your wall so that you're you're being open to that possibility to change. But I would kind of do it in a three-pronged approach. How can you get community that you need right now using technology, be open to meeting people in the area and it changing, and also just have a backup plan of, well, when can I leave? And how how will that go? And what's possible for me? You need to start to come out of the compression phase and open up a little bit more Because it's amazing how when we can open up, other magic can kind of start to happen. And the surprises that we're supposed to find when we go to a new area that we don't really understand until we're there can come along, the surprise friend or the surprise opportunity. There'll be a reason you're there if you're saying you can't leave right now. So hope that helps and good luck. How do you and Devor create your music together if he is in Slovenia and you are in America? You seem to be making a lot of it, and I find it so healing to listen to, but I'm baffled by how it can work when you are so far apart. Thank you. Um, So Devor Bozik is my music collaborator, but he also, more than that too, Devor and I have been working together um, on recordings now for um, almost nine years. So DeVore does all of the original music and sound healing frequencies underneath every MP3 that I release every single month. DeVore also created all of the sound healing underneath the Energy Speaks audiobook, which is the audible version of my book. So DeVore uses tones and frequencies from planets and will sometimes talk about what's needed. So, oh, this this channel is about boundaries and connection. Well, because that can be an edgy topic for people, let's put Venus in there as a frequency. So Venus is hidden. The frequency of Venus is hidden in that music. So I think he and I just have such a simpatico and such a, I mean, it's you know we're both really grateful for it. We have an incredibly intuitive relationship and we've worked on stage live together a lot. So we've done many, many, many events and we wrote loads of these songs in the workshop room so when we suddenly got it in our heads that we should be creating them more and putting them out more into the wider world, in about two years ago, we had this huge body of work that we would never really you know, done much with. So um, it, it's been great, and the reason we do it so fast is he works pretty much almost full time uh, with me and my company at this point, and um, we're able to just take from what we've done so far. Um, but yeah, that's the beauty of technology, too. Um, I can, we also speak every day, like on, a, on video messages. So even though we're distant in countries, we, we, we're connected in each other's lives every single day. So that's how that works, and I'm glad you're enjoying it, and thank you for the question. My husband has had a pretty significant stroke It's been almost a year and it's increasingly clear he will never regain enough function to return home. His cognition fluctuates from pretty sharp to rather challenged. I spend several hours a day with him at his care home where I'm doing my best to stay in the moment with him, which is exceedingly challenging much of the time. This is the most difficult thing I've ever gone through. Every day is a new kind of grieving. What perspective do you suggest I hold in regard to our destiny with each other or perhaps our soul journeys? How do I know when to stop praying for recovery and simply pray for peaceful days? I feel guilty for not being able to do more, to do enough, to help him." I'm so sorry and uh, I can only imagine like how hard this is for you and and you've you've really made it very clear in your question that, that this really is a new kind of grief. And I think one of the things that you say here that I think would be a really good thing, when you said, how do I know when to stop praying for recovery and simply pray for peaceful days? I think praying for recovery at this point could put more stress on you because if he, if he doesn't have a recovery, then there can be a feeling that it's failing or you know what you're desiring isn't going to happen. But if you pray for peaceful days and you pray for presence with Him and you pray and ask for grace to help you and help Him navigate this incredibly difficult chapter in your lives together, that will bring its own kind of energy and, as best as it can, a peace to you and to you and Him at times that is its own kind of recovery. Because the more that the two of you are able to navigate this with grace and with peace and with presence, the more likely any possible chance of improvement or recovery is going to be, Um, the more stress you're feeling or the more um, expectation, I should say, the harder that can be. And I can't imagine for you how hard it must be to not want, not have an expectation or not want to change it. And as you said, that's really your hard learning at the moment. How do you adapt to such a dramatic and shocking and painful change for you and for Him? And so I just commend you for what you're going through. I know many, many people have gone through this before you and are going through it right now and in the future. Many of us, I'm sure, will have to deal with something like this in our life. But I think when you say, I feel guilty for not being able to do more, to do enough, to help him," You know, my perspective on that, and I'll offer it to you and you can take it or leave it if it resonates or not. I think part of our partnerships with our loved ones or even our friends or our family members is often based on a kind of give and take in the relationship and is based on helping each other, whether that's making each other laugh or doing tasks for each other or helping each other verbally with the way that we affirm each other if one of us is nervous. And for you to have had a good, a good amount of your relationship just suddenly removed when he isn't very cognizant to you or isn't able to be present to you, that must be such a shock for your body and for your pattern with him that it's going to probably take quite a bit of time for you to adapt to realizing that the relationship the two of you are having now is, is just different, and you aren't able to help him perhaps the way you were. But there will be other ways, I'm sure, that you are helping him without even realizing. I've, I've had a few close friends who've had um, near-death experiences, um, a coma experience, and I've also read a lot about this or heard different stories from different people that people will often say, I knew you were there, I couldn't communicate, but I could hear you, I could feel you. And so. I think that's also really important to remember your presence there and how you are able to be there is enough. And that's perhaps not as much as you want to be able to do right now, but given the changed circumstance, that's, that's all you can do right now. So grieve as much as you need to grieve and don't be ashamed of the grief or afraid of the grief and perhaps try and get support for that grief however you can. Maybe there's a support group for people who are going through the same kind of thing. I think that's always so helpful, not just because you don't feel as alone in the pain of the feelings, but sometimes other people who've gone through this, perhaps they're a few steps ahead of you. They may know some things they can share with you that might be useful. They may say, oh, well, I tried this and it worked. So I think being with like-minded community could be so helpful for you and then for him too. And uh, I just send you lots of love and I hope you can be patient with yourself. and. I know that this question is a very tender question, so thank you for asking it because I'm sure there are many others who either are in your situation right now or have been in your situation um, who know exactly what you're going through. But the more you can hold yourself and your husband in grace and continue to look for the presence and the grace in this very changed circumstance that you had no control over, that's going to really help you, especially on the days where things are a bit more rough. So lots of love and thank you for your question. Final question for the day. Hello, Lee. I noticed that when you are about to channel your guides, the Zs, you always sip water. I'm curious as to why you do this. Okay. So in my portal community every month, I channel live in our broadcasts for usually, usually a good half of the 90 minutes, um, including answering questions for our portal members um, from the perspective, from my guides, basically. And when I do the channeled recordings, they're usually about an hour long, or if I'm channeling live in a room, sometimes they're an hour long. I get really I get really dehydrated. When I've finished a channel for an hour or even for half an hour, um, I, it runs a lot of heat through my body, and my body is physically a lot hotter when I've finished than anything else I'm doing, including just normal intuitive work. So the channeling just takes a certain amount of energy and a certain amount of um, <laughs> hydration from me. So I always drink water right before I channel and try and get as much in my body as I can because I know then when I'm done. Um, I'll be in a bit less deficit and um, I think I just burn through the water. So um, for any of you who are channeling yourself um, and channeling for a period of time, you might find that you want to up your water intake and it might be something that you're experiencing. But channeling is a question I'm often asked about and people say, well, what does it do to your body? And I've just described some of the things it does for me, but it's different for different people. But it is an energy shift. I've spoken to other channelers about this, and they have their own version of it. But it, it, it puts you in a different state. It's not, it's not like now where I'm speaking to you consciously. And yes, I'm tapped into my intuition, but it's not like bringing the Z's through my body. It's a whole other realm. So uh, the hydration is like a, an emergency. It's like, get some water in me. So um, that's why I do it, and uh, thank you for the question, and thank you to everyone for all your questions today. If you enjoy Impact the World or any of the free videos that we put out here on YouTube and on Facebook, if you're on YouTube, please hit subscribe. It really helps us reach more people, and we are an independent, independent show, so that really serves our mission here. Um, And if you're listening over on Apple Podcasts and you care to subscribe, rate, or review, that also really supports the show. So thank you for doing that. Until next time on Impact the World, it's been a pleasure to be with all of you, and I hope you have a very good rest of your day or evening. Take care. Hello, I'm Lee. I'm an intuitive and a channeler, and I've been channeling now for 23 years. And the information and the energy that my guides have underscored my life with throughout those years has been very transformative for me. And for those of you who've followed my work over the past 17 years or so, I know for many of you too. As I was visioning and doing a lot of deep diving this summer, really talking to my guides a lot through the month of August. They gave me the name initiation as the name for a series of messages that they want to bring. Initiation will begin on October the 27th and every Wednesday live from this studio, I'll be channeling for approximately an hour to 75 minutes. I have asked my dear friend and sound healing collaborator Devor Bozik to create some original music encoded with planetary frequencies, but also frequencies that relate to our body that can run underneath each of the channels. And my guides disease have given us a written message about what initiation will be and what will take place during it. You can find that and all information about this experience on the course page In between each of the live broadcasts, I will do a special calibration video that helps us at a human level calibrate to and integrate and absorb what each channeled message will be. This is different to anything I've ever done before. I can't wait to bring it to you and neither can my team. If you feel to be with us for initiation or you want to just get a sense of it, please visit the link below this video to learn more and to feel more and to see if it resonates with you. If so, we'd love to have you with us.